previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. But Jack Kent Cook owned the then Redskins and they moved them out to PG. He decreed that the little spot of dirt on which the stadium was built would forever be known as Ral John Maryland for his two sons, Ralph and John. Wow. And Mr. Kornheiser at one point said it was a really good good thing that his two sons weren't Peter and Ennis. <laughs> Come on, Roxy, wow. stay with the show. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. And we are going three wide today. We have Roxy back with us. Hey, everyone. And welcome back to the show, her second time, Andrea. Whoop, 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 whoop. Second time. <laughs> second time's a charm in your face. Now, we have to start the show because we got a little email based around you, and it was all positive. But one is an inside joke that you might not get. What does Chuck officially call you? Let's Let's just cut to the chase because it's a funny story. So I asked Andrea, she was coming on last time. I'm like, should I call you Dre? Should I? And you were just like, yeah, just call me Dre. And so then I said, introduce yourself. And you go, hi, my name's Andrea. So the, the Loyal Littles were a little confused. And it's also an inside joke because we have a little situation on the big show where the host was calling one of his dear friends something for years and he didn't know that she preferred a different name and i think she was just being polite about it so she didn't you know contradict him so let's get it out there what what do you want us littles to call you and me as well so all my friends refer to me as dre and okay. i we've tried nicknames so and so on but dre always sticks love so. it so let's get into a bunch of little things first things first roxy I mean, yes, Dre, I know you're new to the show, but this is just amazing. Littles are just the most amazing people. And so I'm calling you co-sponsors. That's what I'm calling you. So we're doing this bracket challenge, Loyal Littles podcast bracket challenge. We hope you all got your brackets in. We're already second day into it. And this is amazing. But we had people reach out to us and offer prizes for you Loyal Littles. They offered their products up as prizes. So, I mean, we, we had two people reach in. Steve Osbolt, I mean, no big surprise there. Steve Osbolt from Emerald City Catering. That's emeraldcitycatering.com. Yes, you will hear that referenced many times. He's, we, we don't even know what it is yet. He just said he's going to send me a box of that to give away as prizes for how we deem we see appropriate. We haven't even figured that out yet, Roxy. We got to sit down and figure that out. So reach out to Steve, emeraldcitycatering.com. Order all your goodies there. Thank you, Steve, for reaching out. And our second co-sponsor, as we're calling them, is Rich Ottinger. And he's actually written a book and it's called, Do You Serve Food Here? And so he's going to donate a copy of his book. I mean, I don't know, maybe he'll even sign it for us. Ooh. I have no idea. But anyway, if you want to check out his stuff, he's got his website, richottinger.com. And let me spell that for you real quick. It's R-I-C-H-O-E-T-T-I-N-G-E-R.com. And you can find out all about his book. I kind of checked it out. It actually sounds kind of intriguing here. But one lucky loyal little is going to get a free copy, thanks to Rich. So you cool. two, we, yeah, right? I mean, we can't thank you enough. Now, Roxy, we also had some prizes of our own in mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing like barbecue sauce from Emerald City Catering, but, you know, we did have some prizes that we are going to give out. So we're, this is going to be a lot of fun. We're really excited. Now, speaking of the brackets, Roxy, how you doing? I'm pissed. <laughs> Why are you pissed? Okay, well, I never follow basketball. It's not my sport. So this is actually the first time that I'm doing any bracket. And, you know, I was really upset about Ohio State. And I was really upset about Purdue. They were supposed to be the top dog in their game. And they blew chunk. Yeah, like, Littles, I have, to, I have to say, <laughs> Roxy's cracking me up. She was texting me all night, furious. And I'm like, what is happening here? This is crazy. I've never seen her like that. Now, Roxy, I don't want to brag or anything, but I am ranked 13th in our bracket oh, challenge. Well, I'm good only, for you. <laughs> I'm only one win under the leaders, so I'm very excited about that. Do we know that's where you a, fell? That's great. Uh, no, I'm probably, I would say, middle of the road or down below. Um, I got 90 points tonight, 
Oh, okay. So I didn't do terrible. I did pick some pretty good games, but those two, man, like, ugh. Those were the killers, huh? Oh, dagger to my heart. Well, Roxy, I don't know if this will make you feel better, but you are only two wins behind me, and you're only three wins from the leaders. So you're still in this. So hang in there. Yeah, all our leaders only have 120 points total. Great, I'll stick day. around. Yeah, absolutely. So, but we, you know, unfortunately, we wanted to kind of give you who was in the lead and everything. But Littles, there's like literally ten or fifteen of you tied for first place. So <laughs> once it starts getting narrowed down a little bit, we'll start announcing who's in the lead and stuff like that. And then giving some shout outs. Your, yeah, you can do your trash talking then. So, but uh, yeah, the Ohio State one was a killer. But you did have one semi upset, didn't you? Have a thirteen, the thirteen seed that won. Yeah, I had Oregon State beat Tennessee, and luckily that upset was an upset special. Did I say it that way? That's fine. That's a little a little shout out for our crossover. Yeah, so that was that was pretty cool. All right, you two, let's let's move on. We have some emails and tweets to get through real quick, and the first one is from Bob Sproul. And he says, hi, Chuck and Roxy. Enjoyed your interview with Mike from Burke, Virginia. And I feel I've gotten to know him via Facebook groups. And the interview just added to that. I also like your friend, Dre, and hope you have her on again. Oh, that's sweet. Dre got fan mail already. So he (laughs) continues and he says, now why I'm really writing is your comments on Legos. Last month, I did my first Lego project ever. It's a 3,000-plus piece duplication of the famous Andy Warhol silkscreen portrait of Marilyn Monroe. And we'll have to try to remember to tweet a picture of this up with it. It's really cool. He said, as you can see, it turned out quite well, and I really enjoyed doing it. So I decided to do another one, Roxy. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I ordered a three-dimension hmm. Steelers football helmet. No. Unfortunately, yes, unfortunately, it is not a Lego product, but no. done by a company called FOCO, spelled no. F-O-C-O. Whom I suspect, and yes, you suspect correctly, Bob, it is the same company that produced my Fenway Park. Like you, I am finding this to be a freaking nightmare to try to complete. The pieces are too small, and the directions are practically unreadable. Not sure if I'll ever finish it. I think that I'd been better off just lighting two $20 bills on fire. I also think that FOCO should probably change a couple of their letters in their name if you get my drift. Bob... (laughs) Could not agree with you more, sir. I will say, and I, I did write Bob that quick. I said, you know, give it a couple weeks, step away from it, then come back. I gave him a few other suggestions. It is a nightmare. I didn't want to call out the company in the last podcast, but since you did, I will just confirm, yes, it is FOCO. It, they make these kind of like fake logo sets, I guess I would say. Is that what you would say, Roxy? Fake Lego. Yeah, it's – they're just – in the they're pictures, not, they look so great. They look so great, but when you go to try to do it, nothing is structurally sound. There's no support on the bottom layers, so as you're building up, yeah. it constantly falls down. And the pieces are so tiny. That's the other big issue. They're like half the size of actual Lego pieces, so you can imagine what those look like, and it's just a freaking nightmare. So Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the most important thing that came out of that email was the fan mail for Dre. I mean, that was yeah. great. Yeah. So now we move on to our last email before we get to our guests. Roxy, I'm going to need some help with this one. I'll start. You continue on. We'll go back and forth. Great. Uh, Dre, why don't you go get a cocktail and come back? Um, (laughs) Except I'd say that except for the fact that half of this email is kind of about you. So here we go. Hmm. From Sully from Boston. Here we go. (laughs) One. These are all numbered. One. I can't believe I'm using this ridiculous email address. But it was too much to tweet. Two, Roxy is showing obvious growth in progressing from course from Coors Light to Sam, but that doesn't mean she should stop growing. Two A, <laughs> as a traveling bartender, the Blue Mountains were definitely helpful in determining when the beer was ready to serve, and our pretty ingenious way to separate themselves from the pack that is terrible American light beers. To be. James is a great example of someone who has been open to trying new beers and ciders, some of which look like they have very interesting flavor profiles on his Insta face. While I know he likely has Coors Light in his fridge right now, I completely get the Coors Light for tailgating, 
and I'm going to spend a day watching college football with him at some point. It's on my bucket list. Will I drink Coors Light then? There are a lot of variables that are just unable to be answered at this time, but I won't rule it out. All right. And I love that he numbered these appropriately. So if people want to come back and comment, they will know which section to refer to. Three, as far as Dre's take goes, she sums it up herself. She doesn't like her boyfriend's IPAs, but loves Sam Adams. Now, just because something is an IPA doesn't make it good. But Dre, being like the New Jersey Giants and Jets, I'm sure some of those horrible taste faces her boyfriend enjoys so much have come from Single Cut or Omegang, which are two breweries I would try were I to find them in a bar or am lucky enough to find them in a single store up here. Uh, so I was going to say, Andrea, do you want to just comment now or do you want to wait till we're done? I mean, <laughs> um, unfortunately, like, so I work in a lot of bars that uh, carry Omegang. Single cut, I have no experience with. Omegang, yes. And the wheat beer, and uh, I feel like restaurants keep it on base because they have to have a on base wheat beer. However, you're already missing uh, Captain Lawrence. You're missing, you're missing a lot of other breweries that are right in this aspect. Am I making my faces because of those? Absolutely not. Am I making my faces because IPAs? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Right. We proceed with caution. All right. <laughs> Always. 3A. I don't see how any sort of commercial exploitation of the marathon or a Duncan partnership makes a Bia better. And just to be clear, the latter is a shot at one of my favorite Boston breweries, Harpoon. And then in parentheses, he says, that's an effort to show I'm not just biased against Sam in regards to their exploitations. And I get why those exploitations exist. They sell Bia, but that doesn't make the Bia good. (laughs) (laughs) 3B. I'm also not sure how liking Boston improves Sam Adams. I love it here, quite obviously. And as a result, I expect more out of this place and its institutions. I don't settle for being better than the lowest common denominator. I want the Sox to dominate, the Boston's to push themselves, new album, May 11th, politicians to be national leaders. I want companies to expand their industry and push the market to new heights or creativity, not just profit. Sam Adams and its seasonals are domestic via offerings that are a step above domestic lights. Number four, there is an early chapter of the book of craft beer reserved for Sam Adams. It's arguable craft beer wouldn't exist as it does today without them, but they've gotten lazy and money hungry and a lot like the socks. Their small patch Boston Red is still brewed in the city and until recently was available exclusively on tap at a limited number of mostly locally owned Boston bars. But now it is in tall boy cans with a distribution range that exceeds the city limits. And that's a huge pivot that hopefully is a limited time thing to use their supply while Boston bars were still COVID closed. But I doubt it. But it was their only Bia that doesn't cost a fortune that I would on occasion seek out. And that's not to say something has to be exclusive to Hia to be good, but it was something they did to acknowledge their roots, which so often at this point, something they exploit for commercials that play well nationally, but make people like me look like a prideless moron or a drunk or both. And that's a shit feeling. If you know anything about Bostonians, there is one thing we don't lack, and that is pride. We've built up so much of it generationally, we often insert it where it doesn't belong. But we come to it honestly because it's inarguable the trials and tribulations that this city and our ancestors went through to help bring about this nation. In conclusion... Maybe Sam Adams is, in fact, the perfect man for the Bia to be named after because the myth of the character is greater than the reality of the person, much as this name recognition of the Bia is greater than the product in the bottle. Sully from Boston, never revere. Did I say that right? I think I said revere. that right. I'm just kidding. Revere. P.S. I did my best not to swear, and I wouldn't have sworn at anyone. Just I tend to use as a comma, and I tried to make sure I didn't hear. So, yeah. <laughs> Sully from Boston, I mean, just- I Bravo. Mean, yes. Just, that, is that published? Should we publish this, this novel you've written? And I mean, 
I think he was definitely going for an award for longest email ever written to a podcast. Well, after all that, we need to digest that. So let's get out of here because we, as always, have another great guest today. Littles, we'll be right back with Meet the Littles. being played in this episode by a good friend of the show Dante Mazzetti and this song is called Lost and Drifting and it's off his album called Lost and Drifting. If you want to get in touch with Dante and hear all his great stuff you can go to DanteMazzetti.com that is D-A-N-T-E M-A-Z-Z-E-T-T-I dot com DanteMazzetti.com you can find him everywhere Go find him on iTunes, buy a couple of his songs, show some support for our good friend Dante. And don't forget about his Facebook Live shows. It's called My Corner of New York. He does these great shows on his balcony from New York City with the Empire State Building in the background. He does those every Thursday at 7 p.m. and every Sunday at 4 p.m. So check that out on Facebook, My Corner of New York. Just go to Dante Mazzetti's music page on Facebook. And as always, we will play the full song, Lost and Drifting, at the end of the podcast. Recall it all, the pictures without us. I want to know you. Yes, I want to know you. me down. All right, all you loyal littles, it's now time to meet the littles. And we have another fun one for you today. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Anthony Verna. Hey, Anthony, how's it going? Hey, Chuck, it's going all right. Thanks for having me. Now, as you know, what we normally do is just turn the show over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, anything you want the Loyal Littles to know about you. I think turning over an entire radio. Have you heard my <laughs> podcast? I think turning well, over. I haven't. So we're going to have to get into mistake. that. <laughs> oh, well, look, if my podcast is an absolute cure for insomnia. So I hope if it's like 1130 at night and instead of watching late night TV, you go to bed, put on my podcast because <laughs> we'll, we'll put you to sleep, man. I certainly don't mind that. Well, we'll get into all that. Don't worry. So tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> sure thing. So I'm born and raised outside of Philadelphia. And these days, I live north of New York City with my uh, beautiful wife. Uh, does anybody ever say like I uh, the, with the old ball and chain? I don't. I don't think anybody. Does. <laughs> I don't know if we can say that. Anymore. I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> no, you're right. You probably can't. Probably that is that is impolitic and impolite and uh, mm -hmm. right. Probably politically incorrect, but. Uh, we still use you it. Know, you know, yeah. it's like a Wheel of Fortune interview, right? I've got a beautiful wife. I've got three wonderful kids. Nobody says, I can't stand my wife. The kids are right. little, little brats. That's so true. Around the house, right? So is that so, what you're trying to say to us? That is so true. That's okay. Just blink if you're, if you're thinking that. No. <laughs> uh, so, so my wife and I live north of New York City in Westchester County in, in the most uh, uh, northern part of Westchester County. It's beautiful here. You can uh, see the Hudson River from our backyard. You can see the Palisades behind nice. that. It's it's actually a really wow. it's a really nice setup here, and um, it, it's calm, and for the especially because it's it's the New York City suburbs. So this is this is calm. This is peaceful, and th there are just times when it's it's great to just sit outside and you know breathe peacefully. Now, so we have some. Sure vantage points so we're curious because roxy recently went to a friend's house up in pleasantville and it was yeah, very so, pleasant north of there so yeah so uh we are outside of of peekskill i don't know how many people oh, okay out there oh, yeah. ever heard of peekskill let alone know oh where i took a ballet but, class up there once randomly so i i know gotcha, it <laughs> gotcha. and i'm from upstate new york and i have a sister that lives in mayo pack so that's probably not gotcha. far from you Gotcha. Yeah. So, so yes, I've learned. I've learned that that you have to pronounce these things correctly. So, Mayapak, um, yeah. in me when I first yeah. moved, which mm -hmm. was which was a whole month before we got married. 
Gotcha. So. <laughs> now, where did you grow up? So I grew up in, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Uh, gotcha. A town is uh, called Langhorn. And so I grew up there and uh, I went to college in Cleveland and then went back home after college and uh, went to law school at Rutgers in beautiful Camden, New Jersey, uh, oh, because man. you have to say beautiful before Camden in order to get the full ironic effect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, after that, I worked at a firm that was in the western suburbs of Philly for about a year and a half. And I said, all right, I'm done with this. And I picked up and I moved north. Uh, eventually, I found a firm in New York City that gave me a, a contract, which meant I wasn't an associate, which was perfectly fine with me because nobody wants partner track at a, at a big law firm in New York City unless you really want to pay your psychotherapist until you're dead. <laughs> so I, I had my contract. And what I did was I, I worked the hours they needed me. And sometimes they were long hours. And then I built my own practice until basically they said, hey, we've run, we've run out out of work for you, wow. <laughs> which was, believe it or not, okay. three years later, uh, at which point my flag was was planted for my own firm. I got a partner, and five years later, we split, and, and I got married, and now I, I have my practice here in Westchester. I have a, a team of three. I have my wife. We have this bizarrely built split-level house, and, and there you go. Wow. Oh. Now, when you said you had your wife, now, is she a lawyer too? Is she part of the practice or? Thank, thank God, no, because, oh. it, you know, I, I love her. <laughs> I love her. But, you know, there is something about not working together. Mm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that Absolutely. means that, that at the end of the day, I can like talk to her about stuff and she can talk to me about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, Absolutely. and it's not the same stuff that we've been right. doing for eight True. hours. <laughs> so, and, and we don't have to include this if it's a little too personal, but how did you guys meet? Oh, you want that story? Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we originally met on Match. Oh, And we cool. hated each other. No, 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 no. We hated each other. We chatted, and we could not stand each other. It was actually really funny. After a couple emails, we chatted a few times, could not stand each other. For whatever reason, though... <laughs> We still became connections on LinkedIn. Oh, neat. And many years later, believe it or not, it was like seven or eight years later, I got this email with updated profiles. And one was Michelle's. And I was like, oh, hey, it's that woman I, I never actually met. And, <laughs> and I went and I looked at her profile and it had a mix of different activities that I was a little confused about what she did because Michelle is a third generation funeral director, although not anymore. And when I looked at her profile, I saw some entrepreneurship stuff, ladies who, you know, groups like Ladies Who Launch. And I was like, oh, this is the kind of stuff that I do in order to get clients and, and, and is interesting to me. So I said, hey, maybe our businesses overlap. We should meet. What I didn't realize is that she was working as a journalist, which is her second career. Actually, excuse me, was her first career before funeral director. And then she went back to journalism. Gotcha. And I didn't know that by her LinkedIn profile. <laughs> and she, I guess, agreed to do uh, lunch with me. What I didn't realize was she thought I was some kind of plant uh, from one of the stories that she was working on. Oh. <laughs> and so her editor no. took tables uh, away from us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. When, when we did lunch, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. So technically match.com, but more like LinkedIn. Uh, so yeah, take your pick as to how, <laughs> you know, take your pick. I generally don't give match any credit on this one. Gotcha. Okay. Mm. You know, right. you know, all those years of subscriptions on match, I actually had to meet her a second time on LinkedIn. So let's give credit where credit is due. To right. That exactly. is true. Mm-hmm. Well, I that's, that's you know, so I, I am that asshole who used LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn <for me. laughs> uh, now, LinkedIn, it just doesn't seem like it would be the matchmaking type site, but I guess you never know. You look, know look, I mean? look. People ask me, people ask me for love advice and I would say, don't do it the way I did it. People ask me for mm -hmm. career advice and I also say, don't do it the way I did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this will actually be an interesting question, I think. It always, when I hear these stories and the reason why I say, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Stuff like that. And the people like you that have kind of moved all over the place, do you have a favorite sport and a favorite team to go along with that? 
Are, are you asking that because you see the eagle's helmet rotating, you know, behind me? No, I don't. Uh, I can't. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I see that now. News Channel 8. I didn't notice that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're a hometown, Philadelphia. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I still keep my, my Philly teams. I think that's, you know, that's what I grew up with. Why would I sure. change that? I'm assuming yeah. at some point when I'm, you know, 60, I'll have lived in New York as long as I've lived anywhere else. <laughs> All right. But um, I'm I'm not quite there yet. So so yeah, I, I still keep my Philly teams. So so yeah, Eagles and Sixers and Flyers and Phillies. I don't know in what order they're favorite. I you know, it depends on on how I'm feeling. It depends on which sport I consider my favorite. I will say this though. Lately baseball has been kind of dropping. So you know, part of that's because of how badly the sport's managed. But yeah. um, right. Also, I was in Boston two years ago for a convention, and I met up with a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a while. We went to, uh, it was Red Sox Astros. We went there. The game started at 7. We said, you know what, after after a while, we'll, we'll just go grab dinner. The f- first inning ended, I think, an hour and a half after first. Whoa. <laughs> wow. One of those. <laughs> we, we left. Yeah, I, I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we left yeah. that dinner. Well, now, what was it like being a fan of TK and then landing Bryce Harper a few seasons ago? Well, let's just say at least at least Michael was did not like shove anything in my face when I met everybody down at Chatter and I did have my Phillies hat on. Uh, oh, okay. So, uh, I, I don't know that I took any particular extra knowledge in into it, except for the fact that, look, I kind of figured he's... Uh, uh, you know, because TK does get a little negative, I think, on that. I, you know, I know mm-hmm. he talks about Bryce Harper needing a lot of air. And I don't think that Harper was a problem with the Nationals. And I don't think that he's the problem with the Phillies either. Mm-hmm. Right. Gotcha. You know, I, I kind of I looked at it as, all right, they're spending now. To, to I looked at it as my team trying to trying <laughs> to spend <laughs> now to win now. And I always love it, I have to say, when a guest leads us to the next topic, because that's where I was going anyway. I wanted to get into how did you get introduced to Tony? Now, obviously, you just mentioned you've been to Chatter, so maybe go into that. So where did you first start hearing about him, and did you read his columns? Well, no, no. I mean, I mean, go, coming from Philly, but I would say mm-hmm. that I, I would certainly say that my, my first law firm, I, I needed to not hear the boss yell and scream. <laughs> <laughs> and so the the owner of the firm was was very loud so i would just put my headphones on during the day and i i was looking for something different and tk show in the middle of the day from espn was was certainly uh different from everything else and 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 that would probably be where i first heard him wow and did that continue into pti and all that stuff yeah yeah at that point sure okay. sure but but i've never been I've never been a huge PTI watcher just because of the time. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, so you mentioned Chatter. So how many times did you get down there and what was that visit like? Well, it was good. I actually uh, did record a few episodes of my podcast uh, there. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it was so so that was fun. One was with the Reverend Mark Schaefer, and we actually did nerd out a little bit about law because he is a former lawyer. Mm-hmm. And a couple others uh, were, were with some uh, guests in D.C. Actually, one was with a friend of mine who lives in Taipei, and he was in D.C. for a convention. And I, I did say to him, hey, you owe me a podcast episode. So we actually did dinner and, and a podcast episode with uh, oh, wow. uh, Claude doing the engineering. That's kind of exciting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and of course, Stern was, uh, Stern actually was, I, I know that, that, that his general role is as, I guess, doofus and butt of all jokes, but, but frankly, he is a whiz behind the, you know, behind the microphone. And there was some stuff that happened during the episode that he needed to edit. And, and he, in five minutes, had it, had it completely oh. edited. Okay, so cool. let's pause for a second there. I must have, I want to say I mentioned this like in one of the first couple episodes. But just in case, and it's been a while, so let me say that again. I have grown so much respect for those guys now that I've gotten into this, and the editing process alone blows my mind how quickly they turn around episodes. Yeah. It yeah. really does, because for all you loyal littles, if you've never been into this kind of thing, I mean, editing anything down like this is just, it's a project. And it's a fun project, and that's, I, I've said this too, it's to me that that's kind of the artistic side for me in podcasting is the edit 
and uh, it's kind of like directing a show, you know, or whatever, sure. however you want to, however you want to say it. And, and I do like it, but boy, it is intense and it takes a long time. <laughs> it is. So, and, and, and like I said, it was, um, it was really impressive. The one edit Mark that Mark had to do and, and, and seriously, he did it in, it was five minutes and, and it was done. Wow. And that's what I mean. I can only imagine. And so bravo to them. Because I don't think people realize that. I really don't. Especially with the way they're remote now and having these other people calling in and stuff like that. I mean, anytime it's hard. But with all the technical aspects that they're going through now with COVID and everything, it's, uh, you know, we just hear the final product. And, and we always joke about, oh, reset the board, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's, it's so true. I actually realized I lied to you. I've been to Chatter twice. Oh. <laughs> okay. Was there a difference in visits? Like, what was the other one? Yeah, no, the other one, the other one was my wife and I were in DC, just kind of getting away and uh, mm -hmm. forget who I told. But uh, you know, some some of the other littles came and uh, we grabbed dinner. Oh, that's cool. so nice. That's what I mean. I mean, that's honestly what the dream was, and you know, I just we just never got down there. It's kind of sad. Yeah. No, and I mean, look, let's be honest. It was five rich guys who had never been in the restaurant industry before <laughs> thinking that they could make it in the restaurant industry. Mm -hmm. And while the, the podcast studio part was cool, it's not like they made an effort to integrate the two because they didn't. And yeah. so you kind of had that as an issue. You already had the fact that you had five people never in the restaurant industry. Before, so that's an issue. And then they mm -hmm. had another fe a feature of this, which was just kind of glued on without any particular rhyme or reason on how to how to integrate it all let's be honest i'm not really surprised it's not there anymore no yeah. matter what you thought of the food and no matter what you thought of the of the people that you went with yeah because i never got down there so i never saw it but i'm imagining the real estate alone that that podcast studio took up was probably at least what five or six seven tables that they could have been serving people and making maybe um, i don't know Maybe, but I, I don't know. I don't particularly think that's that was an issue. Either. That's not what. I, I, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. mean, I, I hear I hear what you're saying, but you yeah. could have easily made that up if you, I don't know, invite a popular podcast into a recording. And, and my wife and I have certainly seen live podcast tapings. And so we certainly right. know the popular podcasts out there. Invite them to do a podcast. It's an extra upcharge for the, for that particular night. But hey. <laughs> you know, you, you attract their audience, right? Well, right, he probably realizes right. that after the fact. With was it was it called Clyde's where they used to go after the podcast studio closed to go live? Remember they did those live shows? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he probably realized when he saw how many hundreds of people showed up to watch a live broadcast of his podcast. He probably thought, oh, maybe I should have invited, you know, Mike and Mike or whoever. Yeah. Anyway, so going back to you a little bit now, did you always want to be a lawyer? No. <laughs> so how did that all happen sorry to jump tracks like you on that uh, but i'm just curious well that's okay there are a whole lot of things that life comes that i didn't i didn't expect it i didn't expect you know to be a lawyer i didn't expect to start my own practice and and yeah. you know so so there's a whole lot there that that i didn't expect i don't know that i necessarily had a particular dream when when i was younger as to what i wanted to do uh my bachelor's is in computer science so certainly i was um you know, priming up to be Mr. Coder. And then um, in my first job out of college, I was like, wow, this sucks. Yeah. I, I mean, in all seriousness, it's it's not that I particularly hated coding. I mean, uh, it, but it was certainly I hated I hated the work environments. And I did have two jobs as a programmer outside of outside of college. And, and I really just did not like either of them. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the solitude, frankly, because even even, the, you know, a lot of coders do work in teams. You still have to go and and do a lot of things in solitude. I say right. that as basically I work at home, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't particularly like that. I didn't like the, the lack of human interaction. If you have a problem, you have to talk to somebody. But if you don't have a problem, you're not really allowed to talk to anybody because everybody's coding. Right. Uh, you know, it's it just not quite my personality. So yeah. I didn't like it. And, and I did move into law school. And, and I'm glad that I found an area that does mix my, my brain, you know, that, that trained programming nerd brain or naturally nerdy brain with <laughs> business, with art, with law. So, you know, that that's one thing I like. Like if I were just doing insurance defense, uh, I don't know that I could do it. Mike Dean and I, when we chat, I don't know how he handles the uh, representatives from tenants that, that are calling him. I, I just, I, I don't know how he does it because I couldn't. <laughs> 
on the same token, people say to me all the time, yeah, I don't know how the hell you deal with getting a patent. <laughs> right. right. So found a niche I like. So I was going to say, go into that real quick. What kind of law do you practice exactly? Sure. So, so intellectual property. So patents, trademarks, copyright, domain names, the infamous name, image, likeness rights. Uh, I, I also have an advertising law practice. So either so making sure advertisers and their agencies work correctly, making sure that advertisements have state and federal compliance, and also um, drafting sweepstakes and contest rules. This is the weirdest law practice you could possibly have. So it suits me. <laughs> well, we definitely have some questions for you off air. See, Littles, that's really the payment we get when we have all these amazing guests come on. Don't think we don't pick your brain off air. So, Anthony, you can actually stick around, right? Yeah, of course. All right, so let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with Meet the Littles. You're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast, and we are lucky enough to have Anthony Verna with us. And so we've kind of got the background story lucky. of lucky. Ooh. <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm your luck, man, I, <laughs> you've got a low bar there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, we all we, we want to meet the little, so that's what we're here for. So now you, you mentioned how you've been to Chatter and all that stuff. Now pertaining to the show, have you ever had an email read on the show? Oh yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's been a while. It's been he a says while. with confidence. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I have. The one that had everybody in the studio laughing the most was back when Feinstein was writing his kid's book. And then the, and at some point, the Agassi, Andre Agassi book came out at the same time. And it's at some point, I just wrote in and I said, Hey, did you guys see the uh, title of Feinstein's latest book? It's called Crack Cocaine, a French Open Mystery. And <laughs> that was the one that everybody in the studio laughed the hardest at. Gotcha. That's funny. <laughs> Well, and I, I'm just saying, you said that with such confidence, like, oh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that have written multiple, multiple emails and never gotten read, so. Sure, yeah. but, like, I think over the course of 20 years, I think, you know, yeah. I think I've had five, I, and, I, and I haven't written written one in a long time, because the podcast format isn't quite the same on writing yeah. an email. Right. Yeah. That's very true. So, speaking of the show, what is one thing that Tony does that drives you nuts? Oh, well, <laughs> only one thing. <laughs> Just one. All right, top three. Go ahead. You know what? <laughs> Apart from the fact that I think the two things that really annoy me the most are when he overgeneralizes a person. I, I find that that happens a lot. But I really don't like, you know, like I've made a couple jokes here about, you know, how if I'm your lucky thing, you know, you've got a, you've got a bar. But he, he really puts himself down as to his ability to operate in the world right. and it's in a way he's he's 69 almost turning you know 89 and, <laughs> and a couple things number one he's here with us and the technological revolutions are are happening he's not living in the 13 you know it's not like he's a 13th century person dropped in and right. looked around that's happening and it also sounds like well he says things like well i don't i don't know how to use an app he certainly knows how to text and it's not and he certainly does know how to use computers even if it's not you know in the most you know most innate way but he still puts a lot of things together and then is like i can't i can't do the next stuff mm. i can't be bothered right right actually can do the next step. <laughs> yeah. step isn't as far away as you think it is Right. <laughs> I mean, now, in, uh, I don't know. I kind of feel him. I, I mean, this is my generating my inner Tony, I guess, is I'm obviously not nearly as old, but I sometimes think I am because with this podcast, people are like, well, you're on Twitter, right? And I'm like, no, I'm like, well, sort of. <laughs> That's like a whole new world to me now that I've been promoting this podcast on Twitter. And now people have said, well, aren't you on Instagram? I'm like, no. So we're trying to dip our toes into that now. And mm. it's, I, I got to be honest, part of me is just like, oh, I don't have I, time for this. I think there's a difference between the two. In other words, yes. people are, are saying to you, hey, you've got to be on multiple platforms in order to blow out the podcast the best that you can. Well, number one, this is a niche podcast for a niche audience and for a niche reason. Sure. So right. I don't know that you can be on every single bit of social media. 
uh, number one. But number two, anybody who's doing everything, chances are there is some sort of automation that's going on anyway. You know, I, I don't care if, if you're Kim Kardashian or Kevin O'Leary or Yeezy. I mean, th there is some part of, of your social media campaign that is automation and not really in your hands. I think that's totally different from, well, I can pick a phone up and I can do I can do a text message, but I can't do an app. Even though, of course, you've been on your desktop computer double clicking to open applications. Right. Like, it, yeah. there, there's a part there that's... You're totally right. I I know I can do Instagram, and right. I, I always knew I could do Twitter. It was just a matter of, do I want to be bothered with said thing? So, <laughs> right. of sure. course, yeah. No, I understand the difference. Right. It almost seems like it could be a combination with him of maybe an insecurity because there are so many other people around him who are more knowledgeable, but also it could be partly insecurity, partly he wants the attention. I'm going he to likes end that by attention. saying you're the one who says insecurity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do feel him on another thing. I'm, I'm glad he knows better, I guess is how I will say it, because I feel the same way sometimes. There's times where I'll text Roxy and I'll say, hey, I want to put this on Twitter. Can I do this? Can I say this? Nowadays, you just you never know who you're going to offend and you obviously want to be careful of all that. And something that might not be so offensive to me might be offensive to some other people. I'd like to think that's not the case. But, but that sounds but that sounds like a totally different reason than I mean, I mean, you're on Twitter. You got it. You're managing it. I mean, yeah, everything else is between the 40 yard lines. Right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, in all serious, I mean, Tony says this all the time and I have to agree with him. Like, even if he joined Twitter, how fast do you think he'd be thrown off of it? Probably pretty quick, you know, from things he just <laughs> if he just had an open forum and just I'm just going to say what's on my mind. Yeah, maybe. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that particular statement either, despite what you know, how, how Twitter has been um, deleting some accounts. But I don't think a I don't think Twitter is deleting as many accounts as people think they are. And B, I don't think Twitter is banning as much speech as people think think that they are. Right. They're, they're, That's I, true. I think there's there's an empirical issue That's that true. that people generally tend to not understand. And, and just because, look, we, we, we see what's in between our two front eyes. And uh, I think when you look empirically at, at what Twitter has taken off lately, I don't think that's as much as we particularly perceive it to be. Right. And I also yeah. think, I don't want to call it an act, but I will say that I do think Tony's smarter than he portrays himself to be. Does I that make would sense? agree with that statement as well. Yeah. All right. So a follow-up to that is what is one thing that you do that would drive Tony crazy? Um, shake hands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not very good at shaking hands. Right. <laughs> well, this is an, an actual serious, interesting question. Now, going forward, are you going to shake hands? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I have shaken people's hands during the pandemic. I actually met with gotcha. a new client yesterday, and I did not shake his hand. But I don't know where yeah. he was before. Right. <laughs> actually, sure. I know where he was. He was in New York City, so I didn't want to shake his hand. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. Yeah. That, I mean, to say that's a question I never thought I'd be asking a year ago is putting it mildly. I, I, I mean, look, right now, the, the, we, are, we are dealing with a virus whose potency is generally unknown to, you know, our bodies. So, right. yeah. But to sit here and say once the vaccine gets into the general population and we have um, and we and we hit herd immunity to sit here and say that you're not going to shake hands again, I think, is, is a bit of a falsehood. I mean, I can understand if people want to wear masks during flu season and and I would get that completely because, I mean, look at how low flu has penetrated the, the human population this year. Why? Right. Because we're not actually transmitting it. And think about right. this. But then think about this on the in the other direction. We're socially distancing generally. I know there are plenty of exceptions on that. We're generally socially distancing. We're wearing masks. We're washing our hands more. We're not touching each other. And yet COVID has still been transmitting itself through the human population. So so, right. so think of how nasty COVID is as compared to everything else. You know, and, and, and now that J&J &J is, is in the pipeline, and I'm fairly confident that I'll be easily hugging people and shaking hands. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, eventually. Yeah. I, I, I'm confident yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah oh, I agree with that. Now, here's a uh, new question, totally off topic. We're going all over the place. 
I believe actually I, I found this on I think it was Kevin Sheehan's Twitter page. But the question is, give me a team slash franchise, college or pro, that isn't one of your personal favorites, but you really respect them from afar. Hmm. Well, from afar. <laughs> That's I the key. Because being I an Eagles fan, here, I know that's a tough question. <laughs> I, I would, I would sit here, I would sit here and say the Dodgers. Okay. Um, I, I certainly am impressed with not just that they that they won last year, but they've had a generally strong run, um, and um, it looks like they are poised once again. So, so yeah. from from mm-hmm. afar, there's that. I have a friend in the UK who is a huge Liverpool fan. And basically, my soccer watching is uh, during the weekends. I look to figure out how I can watch the most Americans during the the European day. But as not a Liverpool fan, I am impressed with how they regrew, because it's not like their their success now is not like what their success was. Mm-hmm. So I, I am impressed with how they they regrew despite this year being a bit of a stumbling year, which should be interesting to see how next year is. But they certainly have grown their success in in a way that I think is very creative. And I think from a playing standpoint, and I wish more teams were uh, a little more creative with how they develop, you know, regardless of what the sport is. Now, are you into music at all? Do you, have you, oh, have yeah. you gotten into the jingle r- loop at all? No, no, no. I, I am. I <laughs> wish, uh, you know, sometimes you know, it's funny, but that I sometimes I, I have an idea and then like I never sit down and write it out. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I have that problem a lot too. And, or most times it also, I think depends on, you know, regarding emails and jingles, both, it depends when and where you listen to the podcast. Cause like a lot of times for me, it's when I'm out on my run. So if I'm in the middle of like mile two and I hear something that I'm like, Oh, that's going to be a good email. I, I'm not going to stop to like start writing things down and a jingle, you jot the ideas down, things like that. And then you just forget about it later on, or you just don't have time later on to deal with it. Right. If you were the host for Saturday Night Live, who would you introduce as your musical guest? Um, oh, well, well, that's easy. I mean, my favorite band is R.E.M. So get them back together. Pull Bill Berry off of the farm. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> a little reunion show. That's good. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. And not really, sort of the same realm. Uh, if you could host a game show, what would it be? Oh, I, I, I guess I'd have to go with Jeopardy just because it's the, the classic quiz show. But I mean, I haven't, I don't, you, you know, with the other quiz shows that are out there, I don't know that I know a better quiz show. So yeah, I'm right. still I'm still rolling with that. I mean, look, I grew up with my grandparents who watched every game. My grandmother watched every game show that was on TV. It, and it was funny. I auditioned a couple times for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And uh, I left that show one time that I auditioned basically how it went is, is you did the quiz and paper quiz and they don't tell you what the score is to go talk to a producer. But I was talking to the producer and he goes, well, uh, uh, you watched uh, game shows growing up. And I go, yeah, I watched every game show because I grew up with my grandparents in the house. So my grandmother watched everything, Mm -hmm. you know, he goes, yeah, well, I think you did pretty well in the score. And he went, oh, my God. And then he. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, and then, he, and then he, he like closed the book after peeking at my score, at which point oh. I guess my score was too high. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. But, but Millionaire, I always thought had an interesting format, but I always thought that the American version was probably a little too easy until you got to like the, the last two questions. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. I think the original purpose was to make it feel like an interrogation. And I think if right. you watch yeah. the first version, it feels like an interrogation. But the American version always felt a little too light and breezy. <laughs> right. Now, a follow-up then. So, and I don't know if your grandmother's still with us or whatever, but how do you feel about the new versions of these, I guess, revival game shows? Like, now we have Pressure Luck and Card Sharks and Match Game, and the I, list goes on I, and on. I, to tell the truth, all these remakes. Bluntly, I think I think most game shows suck anyway so like i i i fine you you know if if it's if you're having some fun for 30 minutes or an hour it's fine i mean these days right i I watch jeopardy and that's about it you know i'll 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 tune into match game um once in a once in a blue moon this particular version i find a little more crass than than clever and i think back in the day it felt more clever than anything and but hey gotta roll with the times I, it's not my yeah i was gonna say it's you know but uh, it, to me it's not that big of a deal one way or the other 
Gotcha. Right. Now, are you ready for a deep question? Hit me. Okay. All right. Not literally, but, but. This, is, <laughs> this is actually been, <laughs> I, you know, when we came up with this question, I didn't think it was going to be as impactful or as deep as it is, but we've been asking a few people it. Would you rather be the best player on a team that always loses or the worst player on a team that always wins? Ooh. That's the reaction we get every time. <laughs> well, uh, A, I never thought of it. Uh, <laughs> no, I just, I never thought it would be this. I, it's very interesting. It, it is very interesting. It remind you know, I think about something like that. And my mind goes to somebody like Ernie Banks. I mean, I mean but like, look, er, Ernie Banks could never do any wrong in Chicago. And there's that. On the same token, now that I I live in New York, you know, name a Yankee who's probably a little on the overrated side. Oh, yeah, most of them. Uh, (laughs) He said it, little. (laughs) Careful. Everyone knows we're Red Sox fans here. So just make make that Uh, shirt. We didn't say that. I I know, but like. Not saying we don't agree, but. Names are are not coming to me. But like. Yeah, but what about you? How would you, what would you want? The name of some of somebody who is probably the worst player who who won all the time is probably like a John Sally and had a bit of a media career after his playing days were over. Well, I just thought of a way to change the question. What if what if we asked you this way? Would you rather work for the top law firm in New York City or anywhere in the world, but never win a case or work for an independent little unknown law firm that has never lost a case? See. See, see, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) I tried. No, no, no. The analogy fails because law is not, unlike sports, sports are a zero-sum game. There is a a winner and there is a loser come come the end. And even in sports that Mm -hmm. that accept ties. Or draws, depending on what you want to call them. Even in sports that that do that, at the end of the day, there is a champion and there is somebody who's in last place. Law is not not like that at all, especially in litigation, (laughs) because many times I've I've been in many cases where we mediate, we arbitrate, we just or the the parties decide to stop pulling their hair out and, and start actually trying to settle a case because of, of the economic mm. situation. Uh, sports is a zero-sum game. Just what goes on behind the scenes may not be a zero-sum game. I just don't think that the analogy quite works. So so I, I think if if you're putting a gun to my head and saying that I have to answer your original <laughs> question, but I probably get the worst player who is mm. on, who, who, you know, whose team wins more consistently. And, gotcha. and, the, and the reason for that is is because, look, ultimately... I, I think that uh, if if you were an athlete and and I'm not an athlete, you probably have this mentality that you need to win all the time. And that's the, look. I will say one thing about about litigation. I might need to talk to my clients about how to win cases, right? And this is why the analogy fails. I I need to talk to my clients about all right. If I'm going to win the case, I got to do X, Y, and Z. However, oh oh, oh let, let me let me let me do that more Stephen Smithly. However, no, nah, that's terrible. <laughs> I, just, I can't. I would say there's a practical consideration as to how you get to A, B, and C, and you might still get a favorable result by doing X, Y, by by doing X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z instead of A, B, and C. So there's a difference there. there there's a complete difference in mindset. There's a complete difference in in the, your needs. There's a, so I don't I, I don't Chuck I don't think that the analogy the analogy exists. <laughs> well, and, and, and like I, I said, if I work yeah. I work three years at a top law firm in New York City. If I wanted to like go be partner track there, I probably would need a lot of therapy bills. And <laughs> I, I already have made a choice not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, Anthony, we can't thank you enough for coming on and telling us all these great stories. Oh, hey, uh, hey, no problem, guys. Thanks. Thanks now, for having me. Oh, of course. Now, real quick, though, what do you got to plug? You want to plug your podcast, right? So, yes, you can listen to the Law and Business Podcast, the most boringly named podcast that's out there. Interesting. And then, and then for the law practice, Vernal Law, PC, we are an, an IP and advertising law firm. And uh, if you just go to vernalaw.com, you can find us there and you can find uh, our podcast episodes there as well. Oh, that's oh. terrific. Well, and, you know, as an homage to the show, we'll get you out of here on this. What's your favorite TV law show? <laughs> no, I was going to say, I was just going to give you an over-under type situation to go, Law and Order or Matlock? 
but I none. didn't want to like age us or anything. So I watch I watch absolutely positively none of them. None of them. None Interesting. Of them. You know why? Because I probably pick it apart. One of my favorite law movies is Intolerable Cruelty. Number one, because it makes fun of lawyers, just like Legally Blonde does. And Legally Blonde, <laughs> pitch perfect parody of law school, to be honest with you. But like in, Intolerable Cruelty is a pitch perfect parody of law firms and how lawyers interact with each other. The second that they walk into the courtroom, I like started, you know, pulling my hair out even more than, you know, than, than I've, I've been losing. So it made, made me go, go bonkers. And then there are times I'm like, well, that's not how California, you know, like I'm not a California lawyer. And even I know that's not how California. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I can't, gosh, I can't I do it. I get it. Even, even the stuff I love, I can't do it, but I will just say my two favorite law movies are intolerable cruelty and legally blonde, but for the most part, I can't stand it. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Oh, a few few good men not on that list, huh? <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Fair enough. Well, Anthony, we can't thank you enough again, and we'll hopefully talk to you down the line. I would look forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, all you loyal littles, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. As always, another great interview. And unfortunately, because of the novel we premiered for Sully from Boston, we don't have a lot of time left. Um, Sorry. But that's okay. No, we loved it. Sully, thank you so much. Let's do the Friday Five real quick. This week, they were from Mike Mackler. So thank you, Mike Mackler. In honor of college basketball season, let's take a look at the sport's biggest city rivalries and Philadelphia's Big Five. So, Roxy, Villanova has been the most successful of the Big Five schools lately. What's the most recent championship of all your favorite sports teams? Now, real quick, though, we have to give a shout out to your brother. Yeah. My brother went to Villanova. That's right. Yeah. So, Uh, Roxy's brother, Villanova alum. Yep. What's his name? Jay Wright? He's like a god at that school. I was like, wait, what's your brother's name? I was like, <laughs> no. you know your brother's name? <laughs> no, the coach. <laughs> yes. Uh, so who, who's your all-time favorite sports team that won a I championship? Mean, obviously the Red Sox. I guess the most recent for them. But I also do like the Patriots, and I believe that they've won the Super Bowl a couple since times. then. A couple times. Yeah, a couple since times. Since yeah, then, yeah. So, Just a few. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> All right. All right, number two. LaSalle's teams are called the Explorers due to a misunderstanding. The school is not named after the famous Explorer. Who's a person you've known with a famous name? Example, I went to college with a James Bond. All right, so I got this one real quick. It's got to be, I played softball once with a guy named Michael Jordan. That's a pretty common name. Wait, I actually have one too. I just realized. My dad works with a guy whose name is Tom Brady. (gasps) <gasps> oh yeah and he's actually gotten out of quite a few traffic <laughs> tickets um, <laughs> because his name is tom brady and i my dad told me this story that the guy got pulled over i think the officer went up to him asked him license and registration whatever saw that his name was tom brady and said wow you don't look as big in person i thought you were much taller or something like that something, okay that's ridiculous that cop like that. should yeah. have his badge taken away i'm sorry come on but, but, but accountability you can also say it's like oh well i didn't recognize him right it's Tom freaking right. brady come on i know right yep anyway <laughs> All right, Jordan, um, this one's for you. This one's for you. Number three, much like Chatter, St. Joseph's is a school that straddles the border between a city and a suburb. Which kind of living do you prefer, city, suburb, or country? Oh, you have you have an amazing opportunity for all of it. The country, because that's who you are at home. The city is because that's how you have to communicate and be like to transfer and whatnot. You have to be on the go. And otherwise, just you. Yes. All of it. I love all of it. Okay, so Roxy, I think Dre just pulled, and loyal listeners, she just pulled the ultimate Will Bond of all time. That's okay. Anyway, let's move on. I can Uh, understand. I like that, though. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, Penn is the alma mater of Michael Kornheiser, who is a famous person you went to school, college or high school with, has to be at the same time. Oh, okay. I I'll, I actually have two. I don't like the whole went to school at the same time because that's tough. I mean, I went to a school with like 1,200 students. So the odds of someone being famous. So 
I have two. I, we've referenced one before. Gino Carr. He was in the original cast of Come From Away here on Broadway. And so he we went to school together. But also one that he's a little older than me, but Scott Adams. Now, maybe, I don't know, maybe Eric's heard of him. Pretty famous cartoonist, actually. He He's the creator of Dilbert, the Dilbert oh, series. Really? And yeah, he went to Hartwick College. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It hasn't been around for a while, I don't think. But yeah, he went to Hartwood College. Probably the more fa- most famous from my college of all time, I would say. But if it had to be while I went to school, I would say Gino Carr. All right. Yes. And the last one, number five. Temple, despite its name, has little to do with any major religion nowadays. What's a common misconception that people have about you? Roxy? Uh, I think a common misconception about me could be that I'm sweet all the time. Maybe. Oh, okay. That I'm like, I, I love everybody. I love everything. No, not always. I got some lists going, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get on Roxy's list. That's for no. sure. <laughs> so if I may, you're sweet all the time. I think the same thing for myself. But the underlying currents that we may not show, but we know everything that's happening. We know everything that everyone's doing. And we treat ourselves accordingly yeah wow that just got deep (laughs) (laughs) sorry but no that's fine that's fine great question yeah right great question mike mackler thank you so much those were fantastic perfect companion to march madness which we are in the middle of i am looking so forward to just getting off of here and watching college basketball all day because i can roxy tell everyone how they can get in touch with us You can email us at WTFCPodNet at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod or on Instagram, The Loyal Littles Podcast. Also, don't forget Facebook. We have our Facebook page, The Loyal Littles Podcast page. And if you're listening to us on whatever platform, don't forget to rate, (laughs) review, subscribe, do the things. We appreciate it. (laughs) Okay, Chuck. Thanks. (laughs) All right, you two. Have a good weekend. All you loyal littles, enjoy the basketball, and we'll see you next week. And remember, if you're out shopping online tonight, use the code. Lucky? (laughs) If I'm your luck, you've got a low bar.
and drifting. The Loyal Littles Podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles Podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. Oh, yeah.